Welcome to Indie Music Podcast, episode 307, discussion of studio monitors. Indie Music Podcast now has a Patreon at patreon.com slash indie underscore musiccast, and we invite you to become a member for exclusive benefits. For next to nothing per month, you can get members-only podcast video, early access to episodes, merch, and more. This morning, Matt and I get together for coffee and discuss different types of studio monitors and conventions for their positioning in their studio. Enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to the Indie Music Podcast, the podcast for independent musicians and other audio professionals. We're your hosts. I'm Matt Denton, also known as Mojo of Ragged Birds Music. I'm a Bay Area mix engineer and recording artist. And Douglas Reynolds of Resonance Mastering, a mastering engineer in Bloomington, Illinois. Whoa, that was weird. Hey, hey good morning. Hey, are you recording? Because I didn't get the prompt. I am recording. There we go. Hi there. Hey there. Hey, you know what's weird? When this came up, this was freaky. You were wearing last week's outfit on screen. I saw that. And then it flipped. Yeah. It was like, it was like, what? There's so many, the the anomalies are The quick change artist. (laughs) It's like, dude, that was the fastest. I don't know why that did that. That was really weird. (laughs) It was like like Superman changing clothes. Boom. (laughs) How are you, man? I'm having my own technical difficulties over here. Oh, I'm doing good. Um, just kind of a slow morning here. So I just, good to be back in the studio here this morning. Yeah. It's always, you know, I, I say this all the time, but you know, you get the headphones on and microphone interface and, and now that we've added, you know, and a camera and a light and, and all the other stuff. And as it gets more complex, yeah. it's still good to just get the headphones on and breathe <laughs> <sighs> hey indie music podcast here we are here we are uh yeah I, right <laughs> not as not always as comforting for me because you're always up before i am and this morning i was up late because i was i was up late <laughs> no my son came in last night from la he got in about 1 a.m and so i knew that he was going to wake me up when he arrived so i decided to stay up and work on my big business taxes <laughs> Which I'm kind of surprised that didn't put me to sleep, but, um, yeah, yeah so I was that, up late. That's what I, I love staying up late, working on my business taxes. <laughs> Doesn't everybody, especially, you know, like you on know, a Friday let's night, a, let's take a look at that Friday night. Yeah, yep. exactly. Um, <laughs> so how things have changed in the last couple decades, huh? Yeah. You yeah. Know, uh, a Friday night, um, you know, a Friday night 20 years ago was a lot different than a Friday night, uh, these days, at least yeah, for I'd me. Say so. Yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> It come about nine, ten o'clock on Friday night, and I was getting ready to head out, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, now I'm getting ready to head in. And so head like, in to bed. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, so yeah, so I slept in. Yeah. That's good. Saturdays are good for sleeping in. I kind of did, too. I mean, I'm two hours ahead of you, so I, I, I have that going for me. But uh, yeah, I mean, alarm went off about 530, and I hung out under the covers until like, Oh, about seven and then got up from there. So wait, you have an alarm that goes off on the weekend. Why would you do that? I have it every day and I get up, uh, let the dog out and and, Uh, uh, I like to start my day and uh, normally we'll go down and let the dog out, get some coffee, uh, get some music on and uh, just sort of set the tone for the day. Yeah. I actually naturally wake up about five 30, so I don't even have an alarm go off. Yeah. Yeah, I always wake up like, and it's exactly three minutes before my alarm every morning. 
why it's three minutes, but that's funny. <laughs> Unpack that, but let's not. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about what are we going to talk about today? Um, monitors, monitor placement. Yeah. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, you know, I, I thought that I was just kind of curious and I was looking around, you know, if you, if you just ask the general question, what's the, what's the difference between like a near field and a midfield monitor per se? Mm-hmm. And is far field even a real term, even though people use it? I don't know. I was going to say, uh, is that a rhetorical uh, question? Because I, I don't know I the have, answer. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I, I, I've, I've seen it written that way. And, mm. um, I think people generally know what you're talking about if you say far field, you know, but, uh, but the main difference is just basically the, how the, the speakers are designed for how far away they should be from you, right. uh, for the, uh, the audio, you know, how the, how the speakers are tuned, you know, and obviously like a near field monitor, which is, I think what you're using. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, it's designed, it's really based upon what size room do you have, uh, for your, uh, you know, your, your working, your mixing environment. And, you know, if you've got a smaller room, then, you know, near fields are what you want. Cause they're tuned for the smaller room. Right now behind me, um, I have my mains, which are really neither a near field or a midfield. They're, they're a full range speaker. So you could call mm-hmm. them a far field if you wanted uh, but they're at a distance of what you would use a midfield for, mm. you know, which is, uh, these are about eight feet apart and eight feet from me. I have them set up in an equilateral triangle and I kind of believe in that for no matter what distance your speakers are from you, what, if it, whether they're near field or midfields or whatever, that maintaining that equidistance is important. Um, it just makes sense for, uh, proper phase alignment and things sure. like that and uh, time alignment. Yeah. So after we, after you, you mentioned this, uh, yesterday, I started, uh, thinking about it and started looking into it. I feel like the only terms that I hear frequently are near fields, mains, and loudspeakers. And I feel like loudspeakers are more like a PA system, right? Yeah. Well, you could really call, you know, these are loudspeakers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think loudspeakers is kind of generic kind of a generic capturing all even your i think your your uh near fields are loudspeakers yeah they would get loud yeah and i don't think it has anything to do with volume i think mm. it's just uh um it's a term it's, that's probably a that's an old term yeah you know loudspeakers i think that's been around since speakers started getting created and <laughs> like maybe as wow, opposed that's a to lot louder yeah <laughs> bookshelf speakers cuz i see that too sometimes yeah but you know, and a, a lot of these, and I have, uh, like your near field monitors work great with hi-fi systems, I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, and as bookshelf speakers and things like that. So I think, uh, uh, you know, if you, and if you watch any of the, uh, like, uh, audiophile YouTubes, which I do, then, uh, they actually use and review those quite often. And, and it's all, it's always the reviews come out as very analytical, mm-hmm. you know, not colored in any way, you know, yeah. type of thing. And, uh, which is the purpose of a studio monitor, you know, to, right. uh, to be that way. As opposed to a hi-fi monitor, which you maybe want to have a colored sound or a more yeah. warm, you know, like a Klipsch is room. known for being, uh, having like, uh, uh, some colored mids and, and having a, a more of a high end, uh, bump. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's by design. And if, so if you're listening to music, you know, on a set of clips versus studio monitors, you're going to get a lot different sound because the studios 
or the speakers are designed for different purposes. Right. You know, and uh, and that's where you got to listen. And do I like the sound of this hi-fi speaker versus this studio monitor for whatever the purpose is? Because you may not like your studio monitor up in your hi-fi room where you like, uh, um, you know, a hi-fi speaker better because it that's why you're listening and the purpose of your listening in that room. But, yeah, that's tough. So let me ask you, because I only really listen to music on these speakers now. In these and they're studio monitors, so they're designed to be as full range as possible and technically as flat as possible, right? So you get a good representation across the spectrum, so you're not hearing anything that's not supposed to be there. You yeah. listen to hi fi speakers upstairs for pleasure. Do you find that there's a noticeable difference, or do you just kind of switch your brain and go, okay, now I'm in pleasure listening mode, so I don't think about it too hard? Well, my uh, hi-fi speakers are actually really flat. Mm. Um, the thing is though, uh, you may enjoy badly recorded albums more on hi-fi speakers that have color than you would on, um, uh, on your studio monitors. That's if you fair. know what I mean. Yeah, so I if, you mean. if you're listening for enjoyment, um, then you can probably more better enjoy, uh, a wider range of music, um, that uh, uh, has been recorded poorly over the years, you know, or, or mixed or mastered poorly or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of that out there. Uh, like, you know, uh, Springsteen's albums are, are great, poorly recorded, but great albums, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and uh, just raw, you know, yeah. and, uh, uh, and it's not nothing against that. That's the way it should be. And, um, but you listen to those on a analytic listening in a system. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, it's not as enjoyable because it, especially for an engineer, you're really kind of focused on that thing. So Interesting. Um, you may like it better <laughs> if you're on a, uh, a hi-fi speaker that kind of helps things out a little bit, you know, right. but uh, you know, Dylan and, you know, early recordings in the sixties and folk and stuff like that. You know, one microphone in a room, uh, kind of thing. You know, sure, and, sure. Uh, um, so, you know, and it's nothing against the recording. It was just the way that it was done, and it was, and it was done great for exactly what it is. It's just for the listening experience on today's system, especially because mm -hmm. we're talking, you know, a great deal of time and technology development from then and now too. So. Right. Yeah. But going back to the speakers, when you uh, when we talked about it yesterday, and I thought, okay, but, that's something I hadn't thought about was, um, you know, you everybody. I feel like everybody knows the guidelines for studio monitors is the equilateral triangle. But then again, what we never talk about is how big should that triangle be, and uh, I feel like sometimes that that basically is determined by how far away you're sitting from the desk and where you can put your monitors, right? Yeah. But um, what I didn't realize was that. Uh, they do have, they do have a, a range of where they're supposed to sound their best. Like you can't put near field monitors too far away or they don't sound optimal. So I looked in the manual for my, um, for my uh, Callies and for this model, the range is 0.5 meters to 2.5 meters. And so too close okay, or yeah, too far away. Yeah, I was going to guess away. one to three. So yeah, so the six inch, those are the six inch, and they can go up to two point five meters, and then the the eight inch go to two point nine meters, which is 
which is pretty far. That's farther than I have yeah. room to back up in here. And and I'd still consider that eight inch to be a near field. Oh yeah, I would too. Um, but um, I think it's significantly. It would it would it would be too much for this this room. I think maybe like three to five meters. Um, is a is more of a midfield range uh, mm-hmm. somewhere in that neighborhood. But uh, and you know what's a meters conversion? These are eight feet away. Um, how many meters is that? That's like um, two and a half. Two and a half. So, so I'm using mains, which which is what I like to call them. Mm-hmm. Um, um, versus, uh, I I say mains because they're they're a main speaker, right. um, box enclosure, full range, full range floor standing. Versus, if I had uh, monitors on my desk still, you mm-hmm. know, I would call them my monitors. Um, yeah, and because uh, I think for me, that describes, regardless of its amplification source um it describes its its purpose as well but because mm-hmm. uh, I, I would use I, I use monitors differently than i use my mains but uh but yeah it's all based on your room size you know with uh with a smaller project studio that uh, uh especially like the how wide uh, you know is a consideration and depth is important but um and how far away from the wall do you want to be um, yeah. what kind of, what kind of response do you get that you like, uh, you know, uh, ho- hopefully you experiment with moving off the wall or, or, uh, uh, you know, near the wall or, and find an optimum distance mm-hmm. from the wall from there and then take into uh, consider how far should I be from the speaker then? Right. You know, and, um, and based on how far this, you should be from the speaker then determines how far the speaker should be apart. Right to to create that triangle you know yeah, yeah. so so you got to find out how, where's it orient with the wall and then where's it orient with yourself where are you going to sit i mean one of the first things i did was put tape on the floor in my studio this is where i want to sit yeah and we'll see how that works out you know and i was just going to say that's where that you point. should start because apparently from mathematical calculations the general optimal place for you to sit in a rectangular room is a third of the way from the wall that you're facing and so if you start with where you plan to sit and to factor in your desk size, then you probably should place your monitors after your chair at your desk, if you can. <laughs> yeah. I actually, uh, the subwoofer was the first thing I placed. Hmm. Um, and uh, I was moving it around. I didn't have anything in the room at the time. No, no uh, acoustic panels or anything, no carpet on the floor. And it was just uh, me, uh, my chair with wheels on it so I could roll around, uh, a subwoofer and the amp up here. And then I was running uh, um, music through my phone into the, um, into the amplifier Nice. Uh, and just driving the sub. And That's so cool. <laughs> then I'd go around and listen. I'd go around and listen to where the bass was building up mm-hmm. and rolling back and forth across the room and to the, and, and front to back. And when I felt like it sounded equally as bassy over here, as it did over here, as it did over here, where that felt like it was balanced, that's the right location for my subwoofer. And a lot of people will put them off in one of the corners and everything, you know? And, uh, um, and I think that's fine for hi-fi, but for, for this studio, um, I don't think that's fine. And uh, it ended up being on center just in front of my desk here. Mm-hmm. And I, 
I didn't do it. It's actually recommended to, to raise your subwoofer up off the ground, you know, maybe like right. one to two feet. Um, uh, because, one to two feet. Yeah. Yeah. On a, on an actual platform, which I might experiment with and see what that does, but I'd be curious uh, to hear. Yeah. But that, that apparently really isolates that subwoofer and gets rid of the uh, reverberation and, and, uh, mm-hmm. and floor resonation that you get um, with it being mounted so low. Yeah. Um, but I haven't tried that. I, I think it's <laughs> kind of interesting. It'd be good to, you know, end up with a kind of a little subwoofer pedestal. And then you also got to consider that's got to be something that's strong and doesn't resonate itself. So right. just a, a wood box, I don't think is it. For, no, because that would resonate. Yeah. So maybe like a steel frame and mm. uh, just open, you know, where it's nothing but the, the the frame mounted on some isolation pads or something like that. But Yeah, I feel like maybe um, cinder blocks on a rubber mat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that would work. So. Or rubber mat, cinder blocks, rubber mat. I don't know. The idea. Cinder That's blocks are cheap. That would be a, yeah. a, a cheap way to uh, experiment with it. You can even get the flat kind, you know, the, they're like. You get one pavers. of those workout. Uh, you know that those uh, yeah, tile like pieces a, that are like so like a two, two foot by three foot work, workout foam. floor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could put that on the floor first, and yeah, we have that. We have that in the garage. <laughs> um, so I had another question about speaker placement, and uh, the triangle is interesting. And now I did find out I was reading my manual again, and these the Callies have built-in DSP, and they have dip switches in the back, and you basically where you place them determines how you set the dip switches and it changes the way that it resonates with, uh, you know, if you want it this far from the wall, you hit this dip switch. If you have this placed on your desk, hit this dip switch. And what it does is it kind of changes its base response and crossover frequency so that it's minimally uh, problematic from wherever the surface, your surface is, which is cool. But I know that another rule of thumb is that you're supposed to kind of have your tweeters at ear level. Does that that doesn't really fault uh, um, come into play with your uh, with your full range mains that you have far away, correct? They're actually they're actually at ear level on they my, are the, yeah. So the the tweeters at the top and the tweeters actually in the center mm. of the uh, that's a that's a uh, combination um, tweeter and mid range driver on the top. Oh, okay. The next one down is a. Uh, uh, is a mid range and then it's got a passive radiator and then there's two more or there's one more. Oh, sorry. No, the, uh, the top one is the tweeter in mid and the next one down is a passive radiator for the tweeter in mid. Hmm. And then the next one down is, uh, um, is a, uh, mid low woofer and it's got a bottom one. That's also a passive radiator. It's, uh, these are enclosed. They don't have any ports, so it's a sealed box. Oh, okay. um, and so it has the passive radiators to allow the air movement inside, but it doesn't allow air actually to leave the cabinet. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. They're, the neat, perspective... they're about like one inch thick, uh, uh, cabinet boxes, oh, okay. or at least the front is, I think the sides are three quarter. Yeah. I knew they were tall, but the perspective from the camera makes it look like they're significantly shorter than where. Oh yeah. Saying. No, that's uh, it's just that the camera angle, the cam- camera's up for me just a little bit pointing downward. So mm. it, uh. Uh, yeah, because you don't see my chin. Quite so much, you, know. um, <laughs> you don't see mine either for the same reason. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, they're they're actually quite tall. So that uh, um, that tweeter is actually right here. Oh, okay. Um, Mine's actually a little high, but is it? I've adjusted my chair since then. Well, you can also compensate for that with um, the angle. 
so that you're right. You know, so you can. It's My, not that they have they to be level slightly. with your ears, but they should be pointed at your ears. Correct. And, you and know, and so if, if they're low, it's there's no there's no problem having them low, but then angled so that they're facing you. So right, because we're just directing sound. So whether that's coming this direction or up this direction, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, mine are on isolation foam. And they are slightly angled down so that yeah. they're pointing right at my ears. Now, where that might come into play is reflections. Um, so if you're mm -hmm. pointing up at your ceiling, you may get more uh, comb filtering off your ceiling. Oh, that's true. Um, as a result, um, than if you're you're pointing forward or even up higher and pointing down, um, you can do that too. So right, and then you have to worry about reflections off your desk and stuff like that. Yeah, which is why I put this nifty material. On, yeah, this I is have actually some, uh, a glass top, but I, put I have some, some material padding on to help on my desk to help with that. It's basically it's like a I cut up a felt floor mat, covered my desk with it. Um, oh, cool! <laughs> it's patterned. It's interesting. Um, I want to touch on something that I see a lot in studios, and I looked this up because I was curious. You'll see in studios, especially with like certain monitors, that people will put their monitors sideways. And they're not really designed for that. And I looked up why people do that. And uh, the consensus is, one, that um, <laughs> people think they're supposed to. So they do it that way because they've seen other people do it. Um, but it, I think it has more to do with either space considerations or the fact that in a studio where you have a large mixing desk and you're rolling your chair around the room, then your equilateral triangle is kind of not a staple position because you're rolling back and forth. And in order to get a more, a more consistent listening while you're moving your chair back and forth across your long desk, then putting your monitors sideways kind of spreads that, that, but you still get some, some, uh, you still have some issues because speakers aren't, those speakers really aren't designed to be sideways. Yeah, Adam, uh, the Adam Audio YouTube channel, they've got a couple of videos about this and they talk about it mm -hmm. and uh, and they do go into some detail. And you're really messing with phase uh, yes. when you do that because the speakers, you know, those types of speakers, some speakers are designed to turn on their sides. Some are, um, but very few. There's a, like, like, the, like the focal, um, what's the, I can't think of the name of it. Anyway, focal's got a higher end line at, mm -hmm. uh, uh that uh, you can turn sideways or you can turn uh, uh, orient uh, uh, vertically. However, when you turn them sideways, you actually turn the tweeter in mid assembly so that oh. it changes. So anyway, but it allows you to do that. Other ones are designed to be horizontal and not be vertical. Um, you know, like the, uh, the, the AX sevens uh, mm -hmm. or the, uh, or AAX sevens or whatever they are by alpha, uh, by uh, uh, Adam. And, uh, you know, so those you do want to run horizontally, but yeah, you definitely want to, and, and every manufacturer will give you those instructions in the manual. You don't want to, you will definitely mess with your, um, phase, uh, your, the, the phase and the way that the audio, uh, uh, interacts yeah. with, you know, from one speaker to the other, that, you know, that sound is coming out. It's designed, uh, uh, to come together in a certain way. That's those, right. Um, what do you call the, the, the outside of the, the speaker, the enclosure that, you know, be, and it has the kind of the, um, cone sloped. port. Yeah. Not the port, but just the, like the design around the tweeter. 
is really important oh, and the way yeah. that it's shaped uh, to allow the, the audio to come out. And so when you, when you rotate your speaker mm-hmm. offset, you're messing with the way that that shape of audio coming out of the speaker is supposed to uh, interact with the other speaker. Yeah. As you say that I'm looking at, so my, so I have a, a port below and then I have a, a, the woofer, the, the, the main driver. And then above is the tweeter horn and then the tweeter horn, you know, the, yeah. What, what is the word for that? I can't remember the name of it's it. Like, it's it. like a, yeah, it's the, like a, a recess. Yeah. And, and, it's, noti- and it's, notice that that recess. It's oval. Uh, it's, yeah. it's an oval so that it spreads the sound laterally. And if I were to turn right. these so on the that side, it would, it would go up and down and like this, instead of being spread across yeah. the field, it would be two phases like this of, right. of high end information and they would not intersect very well. So yeah, it would be weird. They would sound strange. Not to say you can't do it. It's not going to hurt anything, but I think it'll, no. uh, uh, you'll get better. <laughs> I think you'll get better audio quality if yeah. you uh, go with the speaker uh, manufacturer's recommendations on that type of thing. I wonder if part of it is that, so people, I've, I've seen it in studios too, where they have, you'll have multiple ones that you switch between, right? You know, you'll have yeah. your NS10s and then you'll have your more full range ones and then like they'll, they'll lay them on top of each other. And that way you can have the same triangle. Otherwise you're kind of, this one's next to this one, next to this one. And then you have like multiple triangles. <laughs> yeah. What's the word? Can you have concentric? It's concentric if it's circles. What is it if it's triangles? I don't know, but nested triangles basically where you'd have to be in a different position to hear it correctly. I don't know. It's a consideration. But yeah, there's I one think- thing that you mentioned uh, a little bit ago that I wanted to catch on. And that was like the, um, the DSP that you yes. have in, in yours. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, my, my train of thought on that is I, I would try to set them up without using DSP first and see where yeah, they end up in the room. And mm. yeah, I know. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, and then does that, you know, how far off are you then? And this is really talking about like, what's the distance from the wall? Because those dip right. switches are really based for how much room behind the speaker exactly. you actually have. Um, to adjust the crossover. So what, where did that actually put you? I'll, actually, I'll ask. I think you told me that that ended up way too far um, out for your space. And so you Correct. needed to end up pushing them back to the wall and Correct. then started using the uh, DSP in order to compensate for your distance then, right? Yeah, yeah. I wanted to get them so that they naturally sounded good in the room without having to mess with the, with the dip switches and that. But uh, I'm glad that they're there because the optimal setup for this room... I could come back a little bit, but not too far. I compensated for that by putting more, um, more uh, absorbent paneling behind the speaker, and that made a huge difference so that they're not really reflecting off the wall. On the other hand, these are also front-ported, so that's mostly um, reverberation and not so much direct bass information. So I think the same holds true for whether it's a, a near-field or a mid-field you know, or a main. You know, mm-hmm. uh, my uh, my mains are, oh, they're at least two feet off the back wall uh, by design. And I did that, you know, that was based on on listening tests and stuff like that. And that's a manufacturer's recommendation. Uh, it's within in, within specs of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think the, the same principles apply no matter the size of your speaker. Um, it's kind of what I gather. So regardless of if it's a near field or, you know, midfield, far field, main loudspeaker, whatever you want to call it. I think the setup process is basically the same. Mm-hmm. Um, now you do have other types of speakers that are not in enclosures. They're, they're built in, they're wall mounted. Right. You know, 
and those are designed for um, being in, you know, like a wall pocket. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's that's acoustically designed to hold that speaker, and you'll you'll see a lot. Those are usually really large, very expensive, uh, you know, monitors in larger mastering studios. So, but. I don't think those are nearly as common, you know, in, in the right. home or project studio or something oh, like that, you know, along not. those lines. It would be uh, interesting if you had the means to build out your room, whether, it, you know, if built-in speakers is a better way to go. I don't know. I've never seen anybody do that, really. Yeah. But I've but been I, in a studio where those are called uh, soffit-mounted, I think. Or... Right. Yeah, I've been in a studio where they had giant soffit-mounted speakers, and then on the wa- and then the walls were curved wood. Uh, it was, it was pretty yeah. nice. Good sounding space. Yeah. There's uh, definitely multiple ways to build your room out with your speakers. Yeah. And then just real quick, then there's also one other part that we didn't discuss and, and we won't go too deep into it because of time, but um, is, uh, you know, dynamic versus uh, passive. Mm, right. Uh, monitors, you know, so are, do they have their own amplification? Are they uh, a powered monitor or, or are they, um, you know, a passive monitor that requires an amplifier? And there's, you know, that to me, the it's more cost effective to go with a um, with a, a, a dynamic uh, monitor that has powered, its own powered amplification. Monitors. I think that's the only kind I've yeah, ever used. Monitor. I've had a few pairs, and and they've always been self powered with a built in amplifier. Yeah, I'm not sure if you can see. So these are passive, and. Uh, it's just out of frame, but uh, uh, there's a. I've got an amplifier in between the two mains there, um, and uh, that leads into a couple. Of, it, it's it's a balanced amplifier, meaning that it takes in a balanced signal, and um, uh, so my entire signal chain is balanced. And that's for uh, another topic that we talked about, which was like RF, uh, you know, and other types of interference, uh, right. uh, EM interference, and things like that um, to to minimize that. Um, and so I went with a, a fully balanced amplifier so that I could run a completely balanced signal, you know, all the way, uh, all the way through my chain, all the way out to monitoring. And, you know, so that's a consideration whether or not you're running. Cause I know like your near field monitors will have, uh, you know, might have, uh, TS or RS connections, right. um, maybe, uh, TRS and XLR as well. You might have the, all those options, you know, it, it just depends on what the what monitor you have, true, uh, but generally true. speaking, you'll have either a balanced or unbalanced connection at a minimum in your, in your modern studio monitor, uh, that's powered. The monitors that are passive are simple. They just have left and right inputs. You know, there's, there's no, there's no amplification there. So it's, right. uh, you know, why they're so expensive without all of the electronics, <laughs> I don't know, but <laughs> it's like, why why are, why is low low fat and healthy food more expensive than <laughs> stuff with all the extra ingredients? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> different so, different audience. <laughs> but anyway, I don't know. I, I just wanted to at least mention that topic. Yeah. You know, um, I'm not sure because it's definitely a consideration if you're going out looking for monitors as to right. whether or not you want to go passive or or um, or powered and um, and then what types of things you need to think about. Um, if you decide to go passive, well, you've got amplification then that you need to be concerned with. And then, uh, in both cases, what type of, uh, of connections do you want to make to them? 
Um, right. Like what kind of interface that, do you have? And yeah, what kind it leads of, all the way back. Yeah. What, and what kind of, like if your interface doesn't have the kind of connectors that the monitors you're looking at have, well, you're going to have to replace one or the other. So yeah. most, I, th- I think a lot of, you know, uh, at least decent quality studio monitors have multiple connection options. Um, although I think that you can, all, you kind of have to pick one. I think I remember uh, seeing in the manual, like you can, you can do XLR or you can do TRS, but you can't have them both connected at the same time. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think those both go into the same channel. So I don't know um, which one would win. They probably have like a, a, a switch. If you plug them both in, then it's going to only allow one of those signals. And I would That's imagine, correct. but I don't know, but yeah, you would, you would have no need to do that because you're, you're simply just sending a signal, you know, whether, so in this case, a left, uh, to your left monitor and right to your right monitor. The one thing I do like is that I, I since I went with passives, is I really freed up the outlets around my desk oh. um, <laughs> with the near fields, you know, because yeah. each one ha- had to have its own uh, power. So that was that was two plugs. And I, I don't know if that's a problem for you, but every plug is worth about a hundred thousand dollars, <laughs> you know, and <laughs> you know, I <laughs> so tr- trying to. Um, as you add hardware, you know, everything needs a plug and, I've, you know, right. power strips and, and, yeah. uh, I have two power strips <laughs> and they're both pretty full. Yeah. And I also have uh, a, a USB hub that's pretty full. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is a consideration, especially if you have things plugged into each other, like, you know, that take up more than one outlet, for instance. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, without good going deeper into that, I just wanted to, uh, yeah. bring it up as a consideration something that you should have in mind if you're shopping for speakers or you're you're looking for some to to look for the words passive versus active and know that one means you need an amplifier separate from the speakers and one and you need more plugs potentially <laughs> yeah but anyway i guess that's all i got on monitors yeah i feel like we covered that position well. so i'm happy with my purchase <laughs> yeah yeah those callies are nice i I, uh, um, I'd like to have a set of the white, like maybe the IN fives, uh, I think would be cool. Um, I don't think I need a big pair. Eight inch would be, I don't need eight inch monitors, um, with what I've got behind me now. So what I do, what I could probably use is a smaller pair of reference monitors. Um, these six are nice and they're actually, they're decent size. I remember, um, our friend Stevie. The eights are really large. Our friend um, Stevie was like looking for some. She bought eights. I don't know if she thought it meant that the enclosure was eight inches, but she was said she was shocked when they arrived and she yeah, didn't big. realize how big they were going to be because <laughs> she just has yeah. A another thing is room. I don't want to put that I don't want to put that great big monitor right here on the corner because right. that's right in the line of the direction of my mains behind it. That's and, another consideration. Uh, so having. Yeah, so it's another deal with uh, with multiple monitors when you have um, depth stacks. So it's one thing to have monitors that are all near fields and they're spread out equally mm-hmm. along, like you mentioned earlier. But when you have different uh, uh, depth of monitors, now you have one monitor in front of another, and it's actually interfering with the stereo image. Um, right. So that's which is another reason I took the near fields off here because I really just want to have this open with this is st- this is too much, you know. And yeah, uh, yeah. I feel uh, like between your your studio headphones and your mains, you could probably get a yeah, a, a, just a fine idea of what what's going on. So, 
but anyway, there you have it. All good food for thought. So, yeah. Well, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to doing. Well, thank some you, everyone, for joining us for the uh, this <laughs> this episode on everything you ever wanted to know about Student near Mars. field <laughs> monitors. Yes. Uh, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Check out our Patreon. That's new. And um, have a great weekend, everybody. We should like offer like some <laughs> sort of of bonus for the first sign up on our Patreon. <laughs> yeah, we should. <laughs> like, we'll we'll send you your three dollars back if you join. <laughs> join for three bucks, get a three dollar discount. Right. And um, uh, just so that we can, you know, uh, maybe we should like, like get hold of our uh, brothers and sisters and cousins and, and get them to join so that we've got like some right. members. Cause I think maybe people go there and, and see zero members and then you think, go, Oh, there's something wrong here. Well, if they had some members, I might join, but nobody, I don't want to be the first one, you know, <laughs> the f- first, first $3 sign up gets a $5 Starbucks card. <laughs> we could. We could do something like that. Why not? What the heck? Five dollar. Well, <laughs> think <do> about. <laughs> well, I, I start thinking. Well, maybe people don't like Starbucks. I don't know, but uh, uh, they do here. <laughs> anyway. Well, anyway, we will pay you <laughs> I'll to pay you be to a pay patron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't track. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyway. Well. All right, everybody. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening. <laughs> Have a great day. All right. See you later. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Indie Music Podcast. Please like and subscribe, share with your friends, or just leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you've heard. Find our social links and episode guide at IndieMusicCast.com. Until next time, keep creating. <laughs>